What's happening, world? I'm your host, the Wizard of Waz, Benji Wozniak. And once again, we're going to have our good friend Patrick here to share this episode with us. And this one is about something he's really familiar with and I'm not that familiar with, which would be tennis. Hey everybody, um, welcome. I'm happy to be back on the on the podcast uh, again. I'm, I'm a pretty quiet member of the of the team, uh, but Ben was nice enough to sort of curate this episode for me. Um, and today we're going to be talking about uh, the world the world of tennis. Um, I have played tennis for the last uh, about ten years. Um, I played at a varsity level in high school, and then played four years of uh, Division three men's tennis in college. Um, I've, I've spent some time, uh, watching tennis as well. So I've been to the U S open for the past, um, four years, uh, down in New York. And, um, so that's what we're going to be talking about today. Um, a little bit of like Ben's era of tennis, um, versus, versus mine and, and, uh, the kind of differences in the playing style, the people, um, the attitude. Uh, so, uh, without further ado, Ben, would you like to start us off? Well, I grew up watching the 80s and 90s tennis, where you had McEnroe, Connor, you had Lendl, uh, Edberg, uh, Pete Sampras. So those are some great champions. I mean, Pistol Pete Sampras was, like, incredible. He won the championship in 93, 94, 95, 97, 98, and 99 at Wimbledon. Right, and, you know, Pete Sampras, before Roger Federer came along, who is obviously, like, the GOAT right now, he's got um, 20 champions. Grand Slams, uh, Pete Sampras was the GOAT before that. I think well, he has either 13 or 14. And, um, you know, back then it was like, who will ever beat this? Yes. And, you know, it was great too because, like, he was an American. And Americans were never really represented that much. Like you said, you had, um, you know, Jimmy Connors, John McEnroe, and Pete Sampras. And back in, like, the 60s and 70s too, there was a lot of good players back then as well that were American. But never really that made it to that high of a level of tennis. Um, it's been always like European dominated before that. Like you said, Stefan Edberg, obviously a German, um, Ivan Lendl, sweet, uh, Swedish. Um, so it was, it was a good time in tennis. You grew up in a good time. Yeah. Boris Becker. Uh, yeah. Boris Becker, another German. We had some really good, there were the great matches too. I mean, I mean, McEnroe, you had to love McEnroe. Every time you turn the TV on, he was playing something funny was going to happen. I mean, he was going to explode some way or somehow. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, he was very, I guess you could say he was very passionate about it. Yes. And uh, he was very passionate in his opinion. Um, I've met John McEnroe twice um, at the U.S. Open, like I said, down in New York. And um, he could not be like a more genuine and cool guy. Like his his presence on the court is so different than what he is like in real life. Um, you know, I walked up to him, shook his hand, like, you know, and got to have a little conversation with him. And, you know, he took his time to, to do that with just some random fan. And um, I truly respect him for that. And, yeah, like you said, you know, really, really obscure court behavior. You know, you can't be serious, yeah. you know. Um, <laughs> throwing the tennis racket. <laughs> throwing his tennis racket, you know, cursing out the, the, the line umpires, the judge, you know. And, and that's it's just a different attitude. So you said you've been to the U.S. Open, right? Mm-hmm. So That's what right. if a young fan was wanting to go, what would they expect to see there? And like, what's the environment like? It's, it's amazing. So, you know, I, every time that I've gone, um, I go in the second week, right? Because 
The second week you get better matches, you know, like as they move into the round of 16. Makes sense. And um, the, like the round of 32. So like you, you get to see better matches. And um, basically how it works is there's there's two um, or two or three basic like ticket structures. So you can get one that's an all day pass um, for just the grounds. And you don't get to go to the two biggest courts, which are Arthur Ashe and... Um, the other one, which I can't remember the name of, but um, you can get that. So it would be like a day pass. You go in uh, and you can watch any matches except for the two that are on those courts there. Um, or you can get a like a, a, a morning one or a night one. So the morning one um, would be for the biggest stadium, which is Arthur Ashe. You get to see matches there. Um, or you can get a night ticket. Um, you know, the bigger like the biggest match of the day will be like the very last match of the day on Arthur Ashe. Like so, like your Roger Federer, your Novak Djokovic, your Rafael Nadal, any match that they're involved in is most likely going to be at night. Um, so I was fortunate enough every time that I've gone, I've got a day ticket and a night ticket. Oh, nice. Um, and it's not it's not crazy expensive either. Like granted, you know we're we're located just north of Boston, but um, it's like a you know four and a half hour ride or or so, um, just about to Long Island, and then. Um, you know, the tickets are, are relatively good, relatively good. And about, you know, 160 or $180, depending. And, um, you know, you, you get to you get to watch a bunch of matches. And, like, the ambiance is amazing. You know, it's in the summertime. It's very warm. Um, you, can, you can go see um, junior professionals play and, and literally be, like, right on the court side. Um, obviously it's not the, you know, the ATP, but it's, it's still good tennis to watch. And, um, if you haven't been and you're a fan of tennis, then I absolutely recommend you to go. There's, that's like the biggest thing that you can do as an American tennis fan is, is go to the U S open. And, um, of course there are some other tournaments out there, um, across the country, but, um, Ben, like, I know that I, you're a fan of tennis and if, if, if someday you could ever get down there, I'm sure that you would have a great time as well. Oh, I absolutely want to go. I think it'd be a lot of fun. Uh, I am a fan of tennis. I'm not like profound on tennis like you are. I mean, but I do like to watch it. Uh, mm -hmm. Some of the people I enjoy watching are, of course, uh, Serena Williams, uh, Wozniacki. Uh, yeah. I mean, what could you not like about watching them? I mean, you know. yeah, right, and exactly. Like the the women are amazing to watch too. Um, you know, Serena Williams is is a beast. Um, she has a ton, a ton of titles. She doesn't have the most titles, but she does have the most singles titles. Um, Steffi Graf? Uh, no, there's, uh, I forget her name, but there's, there's a, she has like the, whoever the, the number one is, she has like, it's like 53, um, Grand Slam titles, which is insane. Um, she would win singles titles, doubles titles and mixed doubles titles, um, all in the same tournament which I couldn't imagine because you're playing like maybe three matches a day and yeah. have no time off. So I don't know how that's, that's just, that's amazing. Um, but yeah, with that being said, I mean, the attitude has definitely changed. Um, I'm personally like a, a big fan of Novak Djokovic. Um, so when I started watching tennis, when I was like, I don't know, 14, um, when I was in high school, I kind of clung to him. Um, he was in a hot streak at the time and uh, I think he was either number two or number one in the world. So of course I was like, yeah, I want to, I want to watch him. 
Um, and I've sort of watched him progress. Um, he's been through two major injuries um, in his back now. He's playing really good tennis. Um, him and Rafael Nadal are, are running down Roger Federer in terms of the greatest of all time. Um, you know, so unfortunately it does look like Roger Federer will be passed, which is just, it's sad because, you know, Federer was just such an amazing player and, and, and revolutionized the game in so many ways and was so dominant for so long. Right. Um, I don't know if, how, how you feel, but like, do you, do you, uh, what do you think about Roger Federer? Like, what do you think about him potentially losing his title of like greatest of all time? Oh, it's a shame, but you know, like, like anything else, I mean, it's bound to happen. Yeah, it's bound to happen. You know, I mean, look at the Patriots. They just lost. <laughs> they didn't make the playoffs. I mean, 11 years straight. I mean, yeah. it's bound to happen. Someone, There's always someone that's going to come along and, and be better. Right, right, right. You know? And if you haven't heard our last podcast um, where we talk about the, the Patriots and other Boston sports, um, it gets a little bit heated between Ben and I, um, him being a, a Patriots supporter and I'm – sort of making my way into the Buccaneers uh, way of life. So you should go check that out. Um, there are some funny laughs in there. Blue blood for life. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so um, what what really more is there to say, right? Like it's changing. And like you said, it's bound to happen. I don't know if anybody would have expected it to happen as quick as it has. The talent level is getting so much better over the years. I mean, I mean, if you see the progression of tennis, I mean, uh, like yeah. now ever since like some of the big names started doing really good and drawing attention to tennis, more young people are getting into tennis, including you. Like you're, you're exactly. I mean, it's drawn more of a, a following, and it's got more people wanting to be become tennis players. Right. Exactly. Like obviously, you know, like like soccer in the United States, like tennis is not not popular at all right like right. it's like football baseball basketball those are the kind of the big three and maybe hockey in there too um but yeah there's definitely been like a resurgence in in some ways and there there's a lot of tennis fans in in the united states and and seeing that is good um right like i agree like i i can't think of you know besides golf i mean yeah. those are things that you know when i was growing up those weren't even the top two sports to even think about watching you watched baseball you watched football you watched hockey golf and tennis weren't on there i mean yeah and, and to be fair i feel like most people's opinions are you know it's a little bit boring there's no physical contact and you know it's kind of a slow game where it's very repetitive and you know that may be like a barrier to entry to some people but um i challenge you to to, to try it like i challenge the listeners i challenge you to to try watching something to try watching a tennis match you know watch watch Roger Federer play Rafael Nadal in a, in a Grand Slam final and tell me that that's, that's not interesting. Um, you know, the tension between the two players is is so so thick and so heavy that it, it's it's tough not to get involved and to, to sort of feel that that emotion in your gut is is tough. Um, right? Like yeah, I mean it's it's a passionate sport. I mean was it Serena Williams when she was crying? She had injured herself, and like, mm -hmm. and she was like devastated that she couldn't like perform at the level that she was used to performing. I mean, it was heart wrenching watching her. I mean, you know, it was like this woman's given her everything, and she knew that you know she couldn't continue. And it was just you know watching her do that it was really sad. You know, it's, she's she's a true competitor, right? You know, exactly a champion to the fullest degree. You know, yeah. 
and and more than dedicated. And it's nice now because like she's had a kid and um, she is back in the sport, which is good. And she's still playing at a relatively high level. Um, who knows if she'll ever win a, a Grand Slam again? But I don't think she needs to. Um, you Not know, to she, cement her legacy, no. Exactly. I mean, I think she has twenty-three singles, women's singles titles, and you know that's nothing to. It, it's the most. Um, yeah, she's a beast. But getting back to like what you were saying earlier about how, like, when you used to watch tennis in the, in the sort of like I feel like the heydays of United States tennis in the eighties and the nineties and maybe even into the early two thousands, like with Pete Sampras. Um, you know, the style of tennis yeah. has changed a lot too. Oh yeah. So, you know, what was prominent in, in that sort of era was like a lot of what's called serve and volley. Yes. Right. So, you know, serving and then trying your best to get to the net to try and to end the point as quick as you can. Right. And like, not drag it on. And like it, Pete Sampras was like known for that. Yeah. His, his smashes at the net were like his, his trademark. Yeah. And, like, you just don't see that anymore. You'll never see, like, serve and volleying in, in the highest level of tennis. Yeah. And it's I think it's interesting when you kind of look at that perspective, like, of how that's changed. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, with with players like Roger Federer who are so complete on so many different levels between their serving, forehand, backhand, volleys, um, you know, they have every tool in the, in the chest, in the, in the closet, so to speak, right? So they have – he has all these different weapons and – they don't need to rely on serve and volleying anymore. And like the way that science has played a part of it and, and watching film and watching, you know, how you hit the ball, they hit the ball and racket technology too. Yeah. Racket yeah. technology has, has come a long way too since then. And they're able to put so much more spin on the ball and hit the ball so much harder, yeah. you know, like guys like John Isner, um, who's a famous American uh, tennis player. You know, he, he can serve like 150 to 160 miles an hour, which was crazy. Another American, too, um, in the Federer era was was Andy Roddick. Oh, and yeah. And yeah, I, yeah. I, I actually got to watch him play a couple times, which was amazing just because his serves are so hard. Like when you hit him, it literally sounds like when he hits the serves, it literally sounds like someone shooting a gun. It's it's crazy. Um, and you like I, I like to use Novak Djokovic as an example because he's another player that's so much like Roger Federer in that they're very they're very similar because they're they're like complete so they have like a little bit of every aspect of the game right like like I was saying like John Isner has a great serve but his his ground strokes aren't that great yeah. but Djokovic you know he can serve pretty well um, his returning his return of serve is, is incredible it's probably the best um, his forehands his backhands it's just good tennis to watch and you know because of that, you never see them really advance beyond the baseline, yeah. right? They're always, it's, it's called baseline bashing. Um, you know, they don't really, it's kind of like a, a slug fest, right? And it's, it's like survival of the fittest, you know, whoever can, whoever can last longer in the point kind of wins. And it's like, whoever makes the first mistake, it's like less aggressive in that, in that way when, when, you know, people, instead of charging the net, you know, so it's changed. It's changed. And uh, like you were saying about Federer and, Djokovic, uh, the Tennis Academy has one of the greatest tennis matches of all time listed as the Djokovic-Federer 2019 Wimbledon final, which Djokovic did win. That was um, one of the most amazing matches uh, of all time. My my father um, is, is a big Roger Federer fan, and, um, you know, it, I can I remember that match. 
and you know in in Wimbledon. So if you don't know anything about tennis, it's it's a a best of five sets. Yep. Um, so it's the first to person to win three out of five sets. Um, and uh, Roger Federer won the first one. Djokovic won the second one. Federer won the third one. And in the fourth set, he was up. He had he just needed to win one more point to win the game, to win the entire match. Um, and and Djokovic was able to 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 take over the game, um, and he ended up winning in another two sets. So you know it was it was a monumental and uh, titanic game. And um, I'm not surprised that it it, uh, it has that listed because it was just it was. And I'm so fortunate to be able to to have to have watched that from start to finish. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I didn't see it, but I just thought it was. Uh, I have a list of stuff here for uh, to help me with notes for the this conversation because, like I said, I I like tennis a lot and I know the players and I've seen a lot of the matches, but I'm not as fluent as Patrick is. Right, right, and um, you know, uh, just peering over at your notes now, I see you have the John Isner versus uh, Nicholas Mahu. Yep. Uh, which was at the 2010 Wimbledon, um, the longest match In uh, of all time. Yes. Um, just because of how the weird Wimbledon rules are, um, it allowed the final set to go on for uh, across two different two days. Uh, I think the final time on the match was like either twelve or fourteen hours. That's crazy. I mean, so they they started at like midway through one day, played through another entire day, and then finished on that third day. Right? They played like I think like four to five hours each day. You know, thankfully, the, with Wimbledon, there's no lights, so that they had to stop at night time. At right. night, but oh, they would have kept going. I, I just that would be that would be crazy. That's a lot of stamina, by the way. Like, uh, that's lot, unbelievable. Yeah, the endurance in that is I couldn't even fathom doing something like that. I'd be dead. <laughs> I, I couldn't even imagine how you can stand at the end of that. Like you right? know, I played for like two and a half, three hours, and like you know, that's it. You know, I I'm good. My right. legs are shot. Like right? I'm ready to 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 go recover. You know, get some protein in my body. But like that's that's in, that's insane. Can you imagine how much like ice they had to put on their legs and like I mean yeah overnight uh, they yeah, probably just slept in ice right I mean oh my god they were, like, walk after the yeah and it was amazing too because like John is their big server and like his first serve speed was pretty consistent throughout the entire thing, which I I just don't know how you do that I don't know how you do that I mean I think I have a pretty good serve, but um nothing compared to that and the ability to keep that. Uh, going too. That's awesome. Uh, I'm, I'm really glad we got to talk about this because I know how much of a passionate person you are about this sport. Um, you teach tennis, don't you? I used to. I used yeah. to, yeah. Um, you know, after I graduated college and started working full time, I really don't have time for it anymore. Um, but I used to give private lessons um, and I also used to work at a, uh, a local tennis club that's about 20 minutes away from here. Um, helping them with lessons. So it's, yeah, like, I guess it is, it's a big part of, of who I've become. Yes. And, you know, I still play to this day, which is amazing. It's a, it's an amazing sport. It's a great way to stay in shape. Um, it doesn't cost a lot of money to play. Yeah. You know, you can pick up a decent racket for like 50 bucks, maybe less. Um, and then a can of balls is like $2 at Walmart. And then you can go and whack those around with your friend or whoever for a few hours, burn some calories, have some laughs. And, you know, that's great. I think yeah. we should play sometime. Yeah, I think I'll die. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give it a shot. Hey, listen, I'll give it a shot. We can actually try and film it. I think we can put it on, put it on the Was Happening Facebook page, and you guys can laugh at me. Yeah, we'll get a little comedy hour going. Speaking of comedy, I was telling Patrick before we started the show. So the other night, I was taking a shower, and I came out the shower, and I looked in the mirror, and I go, "Oh, 
I have shampoo still in my hair. And I went to grab my hair and it was not shampoo. It was gray. <laughs> so <laughs> I began cracking up laughing. Then my wife came. She was wondering what I was laughing at. I told her, and she goes, oh, my God, when your hair is wet, you look like a skunk. So let me tell you, when I say it's the old dog and the young buck, I ain't lying. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, well, again, like Ben said, um, you know, thank you for thank you for listening. Um, it's obviously something I'm super passionate about and would love to connect with anybody. Um, if, if you, if you want to learn more about tennis, if you want to play, um, I would be happy to help facilitate that in any way possible. It's something, like I said, I'm very passionate about. Um, so without further ado, Ben, you want to just close it out for us? Yeah. Uh, you can reach Patrick on our Facebook page or his own personal page, uh, was happening or Patrick Gibb. And, uh, thank you so much for tuning in. And once again, uh, see you next time or talk to you next time or whatever it is next time on was happening.